Part three, chapter six of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. The Rostovs had not heard for a long time from their Nikolushka, and it was near the middle of winter when a letter was handed to the Count, on the envelope of which he recognized his son's handwriting. On receipt of the letter, the Count hastily and anxiously stole off to his own cabinet, walking on his tiptoes to as to escape observation, and shut himself in, and began to read it. Anna Mikhailovna, learning about the arrival of the letter, for she knew everything that took place in the house, quietly followed the Count, and found him with the letter in his hands, sobbing and laughing at the same time. Anna Mikhailovna, notwithstanding the improvement in her affairs, still continued to live at the Rostovs. "'Mon bon ami!' exclaimed Anna Mikhailovna, with a tone of pathetic inquiry in her voice, and prepared to give him sympathy to any extent. The Count sobbed still more violently. Nikolushka, a letter. Wounded. He w was wounded, ma chère. Wounded, my darling boy. The little Countess. Ben. Made an officer. Glory to God. Salva Bohu. How can I tell the little Countess? Anna Mikhailovna sat down by him, wiped the tears from his eyes with her handkerchief, and from the letter, for they were dropping on it, and then from her own eyes, read the letter herself, soothed the Count, and decided that she would use the time till dinner, and even tea, for preparing the Countess, and then after tea she would break the news to her, if God would only aid her. During dinner-time Anna Mikhailovna talked about the events of the war, and about Nikolushka, and asked twice when they had received the last letter from him, though she herself knew perfectly well, and remarked that very likely they might have a letter from him, perhaps that day. Every time when, at such insinuations, the countess began to grow uneasy, and glance anxiously first at the count and then at Anna Mikhailovna, Anna Mikhailovna most adroitly led the conversation to insignificant topics. Natasha, more than the rest of the family, was endowed with peculiar sensitiveness to shades of intonation, to the looks and expressions of faces, and as soon as dinner began, she pricked up her ears and came to the conclusion that there was some secret between her father and Anna Mikhailovna, and that it was something referring to her brother, and that Anna Mikhailovna was trying to prepare someone. Notwithstanding all her audacity, she dared not ask any questions during dinner-time, for she knew too well how sensitive her mother was in regard to all that related to her son. But her curiosity was so great that she ate nothing, and kept turning and twisting in her chair, in spite of the reproaches of her governess. After dinner she rushed precipitously after Anna Mikhailovna, and threw herself into her arms. "'Auntie, darling, tell me what it is.' "'Nothing, my dear.' "'Yes, there is, dearest, sweet one, you old pet,' and I shan't let you go till you tell me, for I know that you know. Anna Mikhailovna shook her head. Her little witch. Un fine mouche, mon enfant, said she. A letter from Nikolenka. Truly, isn't that it? cried Natasha, reading an affirmative answer in Anna Mikhailovna's face. Yes, but for heaven's sake be more cautious. You know how this might trouble your maman. I will, I will, but tell me all about it. You won't tell me? Well, then, I'm going right to tell her. Anna Mikhailovna, in few words, told Natasha the contents of the letter, under the conditions of secrecy. My true, 
true word of honor said natasha crossing herself i won't tell any one and immediately she went to sonya nikolenka wounded a letter she exclaimed triumphantly and joyously nicholas cried sonya turning pale natasha seeing the impression produced on sonya by the news that her brother was wounded realized for the first time all the sorrowful side of the news she ran to sonya threw her arms around her neck and burst into tears he's not badly wounded and has been promoted to be an officer he's all well again for he wrote the letter himself cried she through her tears that's the way all you women are milksops exclaimed petya marching along with gallant strides up and down the room i am very glad more glad than i can tell that my brother has distinguished himself so you are all crybabies you haven't any sense at all natasha smiled through her tears you haven't read the letter have you no i haven't read it but she said the worst was over and that he was already an officer glory to god cried sonya crossing herself but maybe she was deceiving you let's go to maman petya walked silently up and down the room if i had been in nikolushka's place i should have killed still more of those frenchmen said he after a little what nasty brutes they are i would have killed such a lot of them that it would have made a pile so high continued petya hush petya what a goose you are i am not a goose but you are geese to cry over mere trifles said he do you remember him suddenly asked natasha after a moment's silence sonya smiled do i remember nicholas no sonya do you remember him perfectly so that you can recall everything about him asked natasha with an emphatic gesture evidently wishing to give her words the most serious meaning well now i remember nikolenka i remember him well but i don't remember boris i don't remember him at all what you don't remember boris exclaimed sonya in amazement no i don't really remember him i have a general idea how he looked but i can't bring him up before me as i can nikolenka if i shut my eyes i can see but it is not so with boris she shut her eyes that way no not at all oh natasha said sonya looking at her friend with enraptured earnestness as though she considered her unworthy to hear what she had in mind to say and as though she were saying it to someone else with whom it was impossible to jest i love your brother and whatever might happen to him or to me i shall never cease to love him as long as i live natasha looked at sonya with wondering inquisitive eyes and made no answer she felt convinced that what sonya had said was true that what sonya talked about was real love but natasha had never experienced anything like it she believed that it was in the realm of the possible but she could not understand it shall you write him she asked sonya deliberated the question how to write to nicholas and whether it were her duty to write to him and what she should write to him tormented her now that he were already an officer and a wounded hero it was a question of doubt in her mind whether it would be right for her to remind him of herself and of the promise which he had made to her i do not know i think if he writes to me then i will answer it she replied blushing and shan't you feel ashamed to write to him sonya smiled no well i should feel ashamed to write to boris and i am not going to why should one feel ashamed 
There now, I'm sure I don't know. It's awkward, anyway. I should be... Well, I know why she would be ashamed, said Petya, affronted at Natasha's first remark. Because she fell in love with that fat fellow with the glasses. He meant by this his namesake, Pierre, the new Count Buzikoy. And now she's in love with that singer. Petya now referred to an Italian who was giving Natasha singing lessons. And that's why she would be ashamed. Petya, you're too silly. I'm no sillier than you are, Matushka, said the ten-year-old lad, exactly as though he were an elderly brigadier. The countess had been prepared during dinner-time by means of Anna Mikhailovna's hints. Going to her own room, she sat down on her sofa, not taking her eyes from a miniature picture of her son, painted on her snuff-box, and her eyes quickly filled with tears. Anna Mikhailovna, with the letter, came into the countess's room on her tiptoes and remained standing. "'Don't you come in,' she said to the old count, who was following her. She closed the door behind her. The count applied his ear to the keyhole and tried to listen. At first all that he heard was a monotonous sound of voices, then Anna Mikhailovna making a long speech without interruption, then a shriek, then silence, then again both voices speaking together with joyful inflections, and then steps, and Anna Mikhailovna opened the door. Anna Mikhailovna's face wore the proud expression of a surgical operator, who had just accomplished a difficult amputation and allows the public to enter and appreciate his skill. C'est fait. It's all right, said she to the Count, pointing with an enthusiastic gesture to the Countess, who held in one hand the snuff-box with the portrait, in the other the letter, and was pressing her lips first to the one and then to the other. Seeing the Count, she stretched out her hand toward him, embraced his bald head, and over his bald head looked at the letter and the portrait, and then, in order to press them to her lips again, very gently pushed the bald head away. Viera, Natasha, Sonya, and Petya came into the room, and the reading of the letter began. It contained a brief description of the campaign and the two engagements in which Nikolushka had taken place. He announced his promotion and said that he kissed Maman and Papa's hands, asking for their blessing, and kissed Viera, Natasha, and Petya. Moreover, he made his respects to Mr. Schelling and Madame Sauchet and his old nurse, and then he begged them to kiss his dear Sonya, whom he had always loved so, and whom he had remembered so affectionately. When Sonya heard this, she blushed so that tears came into her eyes, and, not able to endure the glances fastened on her, she ran into the drawing-parlour, whirled around it at full speed, her dress flying out like a balloon, and then plumped down on the floor, all flushed and smiling. The countess melted into tears. "'What makes you cry, maman?' asked Viera. Everything that he writes seems to me a cause for rejoicing, and not for weeping. This was perfectly true, but, nevertheless, the Count and the Countess and Natasha all looked at her reproachfully. "'Whom is she like, I wonder?' said the Countess to herself. Nikolushka's letter was re-read a hundred times, and those who felt themselves entitled to hear it had to go to the Countess, who would not let it out of her hands. The tutors came, and the nurses, and Matenka, and ever so many acquaintances, and the countess read the letter to them each time with new delight, each time discovering new virtues in her Nikolushka. How strange, marvellous, and beautiful it was to her that her son, that son, the almost imperceptible motions of whose tiny limbs she had felt twenty years before, 
that son over whom she had quarrelled with the count for spoiling him that son who had learned to say grusha first and then baba that this same son was now far away in a foreign land in foreign surroundings a heroic soldier alone without help or guidance performing there his part in the deeds of heroes the universal experience of the world in all ages going to show that children by imperceptible steps march from the cradle into manhood was not realized by the countess the attainment of manhood by her son was at every step as extraordinary as though there had not been millions upon millions of men who had gone through exactly the same process just as twenty years before it had been almost impossible for her to believe that the mysterious little being that was living and moving somewhere under her heart would ever wail and nurse and learn to talk so now it was incredible that this same being had become a strong gallant man the paragon of sons and of men such as he was now judging by his letter what a style he has how elegantly he expresses himself said she as she read over the descriptive portions of the letter and how much soul nothing about himself nothing at all something about denisof but he himself must have been braver than all the rest he writes nothing at all about his sufferings how much heart he has how well i know him and how kindly he remembers all the household he did not forget a single one but i always said it of him even when he was ever so little i always said it for more than a week rough drafts of letters to nikolushka were prepared and written and copied out on white paper by the whole family under the superintendence of the countess and the zealous care of the count all sorts of necessary articles were made into a parcel together with money for the new uniform and the installation of the newly appointed officer anna mikhailovna a practical woman had been shrewd enough to secure for her son a protector in the army even for the better forwarding of correspondence she had managed to find the opportunity of sending her letters in care of the grand duke konstantin pavlovitch who commanded the guards the rostovs had supposed that ruskaya gvardia zagranitsye the russian guard on service abroad was a sufficiently definite address and that if a letter reached the grand duke commanding the guards then there was no reason why it should not reach the pavlograd regiment which must be somewhere near and therefore it was decided to be best to send the packet and the money by the grand duke's courier to boris and boris would see to it that it was put into nikolushka's hands there were letters from the old count from the countess from petya from viera from natasha from sonya and finally six thousand roubles for his outfit and various things which the count wished to send him End of chapter six